Welcome nerds, now bracing for an entertainment incursion. Rolling Rockabilly Track Gearing you up with the latest in horror, video games, movies, and TV. Now searching for temporal paradoxes. Nerds, this will be your finest hour. Welcome to the Amazing Nerd Show. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, on this week's podcast, we're talking all the biggest news to come out of this year's CinemaCon, and we've got a film review for Evil Dead Ride. And of course, we got to talk the latest news in wrestling. And if today's episode isn't enough for you, don't forget you can get even more Amazing Nerd Show content on Patreon by subscribing to our $5 tier. Doing so, you'll gain access to our Best and Worst of the Week show. Though if you'd like even more than that, additional bonus podcasts will be available for our $10 tier that includes all of the other tiers' benefits as well. Incoming giveaway alert. All right, before we move on, the good people over at Paramount has sent us five copies of the first season of Star Trek Strange New Worlds on Blu-ray to give away to our loyal listeners. All you have to do for a chance to win is either subscribe over on our Patreon at Patreon slash Amazing Nerd Show on any tier level that you'd like, or you could leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and DM us a screenshot when you're done. And then at the end of April, we'll randomly select five lucky winners. I mean, you can't really get better than that. I mean, not only do you get a chance to win the first season of an awesome new show, but you also get the satisfaction of helping support the podcast. Well, season one of Star Trek Strange New Worlds is now on Blu-ray, DVD, and limited edition Blu-ray Steelbook. Experience every episode like never before with over 100 minutes of special features, including exclusive cast and crew interviews, a gag reel, deleted scenes, and more. Own the Emmy-nominated first season of Star Trek Strange New Worlds from CBS and Paramount Home Entertainment today. Limited edition 4K Ultra HD Steelbook available for pre-order now. But all right, with that said, let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors of nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters, we're mere podcasters with opinions. Warning, potential spoilers for upcoming shows and movies ahead. Check timestamps to avoid spoilers. You have been warned. All right, so we're going to start this week off with some Star Wars news. It looks like the Ray-led follow-up to the sequel trilogy may have already lost its lead. This rumor coming in from industry insiders Jeff Snyder and John Rocca um, that claim Yaha Abdul-Mateen II was on for a lead role in Shamin Abid Chinoy's Star Wars sequel featuring Daisy Ridley. Keyword here being was, though, because now the star has dropped out from the role, at least according to rumors. Yaha is best known for his recent roles in the Matrix Resurrections and Candyman, along with starring in the upcoming Wonder Man series as the lead. No word on why he left the project, but in my opinion, this is a missed opportunity by Disney to have him in a Star Wars project. I mean, yeah, if the rumor's even true, because uh, uh. like we we didn't hear anything about this right until like this story came out. Not that I'm aware. Yeah, because I was like, wait a second, they already casted a lead. But if this rumor is uh. true, apparently he was up for the role and things just didn't work out. Um, who knows if it's due to creative differences or scheduling. Um, it is what it is, though. I mean, he's a great actor, like you said, and I'm definitely excited to see him in the Wonder Man series. But yeah, I would love to also see him in the Star Wars franchise. He'd definitely make for a good Jedi 
Or Sith. Or Sith. Well, moving on to more Star Wars news, it looks like we have an update for the upcoming Ahsoka series. In an interview with Collider, Dave Filoni revealed that he himself wrote every episode of the upcoming Ahsoka series. Filoni also stated that while they aim to have all the episodes be around the same runtime as a typical Mandalorian episode, he imagines they may actually be a little bit longer just based off of everything that he's written. Ahsoka is set for a release this year in August. This only makes sense. I mean, no one knows the character better than Filoni, so I'm glad that the series is in good hands. Mm -hmm. Well, moving on to the Marvel side of things, we have an update on a rumor floating around the Captain America sequel. Recently, it was rumored that we would be seeing the debut of the Serpent Society as being led by Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, which would be unveiled in Captain America 4, as the team is on a quest to get adamantium from an island that surrounds the Celestial Tiamat from the Eternals. Well, with that said, a big drum of fuel was dropped onto the fires of this rumor as set photos found their way online of Disney Marvel building an island set. Now, this doesn't really necessarily confirm this plot thread for the film, as Tiamat you know, would most likely be added in CGI, so there's no clear sign of the giant hand in this set photo, but it does play well with the rumor in general. Though, if they just wanted to create you know, an island setting for them to fight on, that could just be that as well. Cap 4 is set for May 3rd, 2024. Also, Christian, before we move on, there's another MCU rumor to talk about. This rumor comes from Scooper my time to shine hello who apparently has been a reliable source uh in the past uh, but they're reporting that antonio banderas is up for the role of galactus in the upcoming fantastic four film how do you feel about that christian i'm fine with it i mean he sounded like pretty i don't know a little bit scruffier in this last Puss in Boots film, so I could I could picture him, you know, sounding like Wait, Galactus. Back. Wait, it's like you saw this? the last Puss in Boots film? No, I saw the trailer. I heard it from the trailer. I haven't watched okay. the film yet. Well, he's always had that like baritone voice, so like, no, it, he definitely sounds older now. Okay, but I mean, keep. I feel like the, my issue isn't like the voice. Like I feel like he could pull that off. But, like, are we going to see, like, a giant Antonio Banderas, like, floating off in space? Like, <laughs> like, because I don't know how I feel about that. I would have to imagine it's going to be just a CGI creation. That's, I can't imagine right? it being him. Because <laughs> right away, I just, like, pictured the Desperado, like, floating in space. Like, oh, it my just God. Didn't, like, <laughs> um, Yo, I mean, he's a great actor. I could definitely see him voicing the character. I just can't picture him as Galactus, like in the big purple suit and everything like that. So I hope they don't go that route. Well, with that being said, I do need to see the purple suit. I don't want the bullshit that they pulled with the uh, original Fantastic Four sequel, where it was just uh, like a cloud or something weird, yes. right? That sucked. Like, we need a giant, like, CGI, you know, entity in a purple suit i just don't necessarily want it to be antonio banderas just because i feel like that would just take me out of it <laughs> uh, but yeah like voice them all you want that's fine i mean where there's smoke there's fire though because we've been hearing for a while now that there's going to be a possible uh, silver surfer series or special mm -hmm. on disney plus so and we all know if we're getting silver surfer galactus is soon to follow I will say, though, I'm kind of surprised that they're leading off with Galactus and they're not, like, going the Doom route right away. Maybe they just figure the last two Fantastic Four franchises started with Doom, like, immediately, so they're trying to do it differently. I wouldn't consider the last film to be part of a franchise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, I've only seen bits and pieces 
of it. And, you know, from what I saw, it, it definitely was a piece of hot garbage. Um, I saw that in theaters. Did you? <laughs> yeah, I saw that in theaters. Were we podcasting at the time? I don't I don't remember if we were or not, but Did you I review was definitely that for the show? Disappointed. If it wasn't for this show, it was for an older show. So <laughs> Got you. I don't remember that at all. But yeah, from the couple of minutes that I watched, it just looked awful. And I'm actually surprised because I was excited for it because it was directed by the guy who did uh the, the Chronicle film, right? Yeah, apparently there was a whole lot of studio tampering and a lot of reshoots and stuff that really got in its way. That's that's the Claims that were made back then. The movie starts off good, but it goes downhill real fast. Now I kind of actually want to watch it just to see like uh, <laughs> what went wrong. Um, I mean, you can see when the reshoots happen too, because uh, people's wigs are different. Oh, it's... <laughs> wow! It's never a good thing when the wigs are noticeable. Uh-huh. So, um... <laughs> but I don't think I realized that Doom was part of that film. Unless I just forgot at this point. Yeah, yeah, he becomes the big bad in the end. <laughs> he always does. He always does. I think one of the reasons why I'm so surprised, though, is like Doom is such a big, integral part of the Secret Wars storyline that I just kind of assumed that he would be popping up in the Fantastic gotcha. Four film, you know, right off the bat. But I guess he could debut technically in another movie. Um, but like when you have an FF movie happening, like it feels like you know kind of blasphemy that he doesn't show up there first but you're right i feel like there's a potential that he could even show up just as like a scientist or something during captain america or something like that just a background player that we know becomes something bigger i don't know like i kind of don't even want like a doom origin story though like i want Mm -hmm. him full doom when we first see him um you know mask and everything so um, ruling a country already? Hell or? yes. <laughs> like, make him a threat right off the bat. Don't fucking pussyfoot around uh-huh. it. Let's go. You know? Like, we all know his origin story at this point. So, like, why even mess around with it? Mm. Let's, let's just go full Doom. I mean, I've been saying all along, like, I feel like Doom is probably the real villain of the next couple phases of Marvel, and they're just kind of keeping him under wraps. I'm surprised that there hasn't even been, like, mention of, like, Latveria or anything in the MCU so far. I... For some reason, I feel like it's shown up on a map or something. Uh, maybe. And in one We're of the prob- series or films, but I could be wrong. But you have to remember, like, they just got the rights to do yes. the Fantastic mm-hmm. Four and Doom. So that's probably why there was no mention. We also heard from The Hollywood Reporter this week that the Blade film has now brought on True Detective creator Nick Pizzolatto to write the film. These duties have been kind of bouncing around quite a bit, which has me a tad bit concerned about the you know potential release for this film. But it seems that Nick will be getting this you know ready for director Jan Demange of Lovecraft Country fame. Nick is said to be working off the former script by Michael Starberry, and the film still is set for a September 6, 2024 release. One away this week was CinemaCon, which for those who don't know is an event for theater owners where studios gather to show off their upcoming plans. So we had a lot of news stories coming from the annual convention, the first one being some interesting casting news from the upcoming Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse film. Director Joaquin DeSantos, while speaking with Total Film Magazine, expressed his excitement for an undisclosed actor being the voice behind Scarlet Spider, Ben Riley. DeSantos you know, explained how everyone is being sworn to secrecy about who's voicing the role, which has led to you know definitely wild speculation online of who it could actually be. All we know right now is that DeSantos 
goes leaves out the actor as a superstar, which makes me feel like they probably didn't go with anyone who's voiced Ben in any animated series. That being said, over on the Lonely Island socials, they confirmed that Andy Samberg and Jorma Takone of the music group will be a part of the film. So this could be who DeSantos is talking about, but I still feel like it may be someone bigger. No offense to Andy Samberg. I love you in all your comedies. I don't know. Do you have any theories? Like if they're keeping it secret, it's going to be a big name mm -hmm. or someone that's going to get like, you know, you know, Spider-Man fans really excited. Um, I, I can't like who voiced Ben uh, in a previous uh, series. Like is was he an ultimate Spider-Man or something like that? Yeah, there was a voice actor in Ultimate Spider-Man. Because I don't was like Tom something. Yeah, I don't remember him like popping up in the original Spider-Man animated mm. series in the '90s. I could be wrong though. So, um, but yeah, no, I I highly doubt it's him. Um, yeah. If they're keeping it secret, like I mean, could they do like Tom Holland or Andrew like Garfield? Like I mean, or would you rather see them save them for? their actual versions of Spider-Man. Exactly. Right? That's what I was thinking. I was like, I would figure they would only come back as their versions of the character. Yeah, which could be possible, right? Um, mm -hmm. And that might be a surprise that they're saving also. Uh, not to throw rumors out there. Because um, we also know that Tom Holland is supposed to you know, possibly pop up yeah. in the film. But yeah, otherwise, it, it honestly could be anyone. Who the fuck knows, right? <laughs> they could maybe get like Donald Glover. That'd be kind of cool since like he's kind of the, one of the reasons why Miles even exists in the first place, right? I mean, that's, you know, coming straight from Bendez. Um, I'm actually surprised that they didn't have him voicing the Prowler in, you know, the first movie, since, like, he's playing Miles' uncle in uh, Homecoming, right? Yeah, um, I'm not sure why they went in a different direction, but, yeah. I guess since it's not, like, an MCU film, they didn't feel the need to have that level of, like, synergy. And who actually voiced the Prowler? In, uh, uh, it into? was Mahershala Ali. Oh, well, that's a fantastic actor, too. So, uh -huh. I mean, I... <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, who, who the hell knows who the voice of the Scarlet Spider is. Uh, but like, I'm more and more excited for this film as, you know, time goes by. I mean, at this mm -hmm. point, I think I feel like it's between like Spider-Verse and the Flash movie you know, for my most anticipated films of the year. Yeah, I'm definitely, you know, every time I see the trailer in the theaters, I'm super excited to see the the Across the Spider-Verse film. Well, speaking of Sony and Spider-Man, the attendees of CinemaCon got the first look at the upcoming Craven the Hunter film. Craven the Hunter was shown off at CinemaCon, and not only did the footage give fans their first look at Aaron Taylor Johnson in the role, apparently he faced off with one of Spider-Man's classic villains, Rhino. And I'm not talking Paul Giamatti in a mecha suit. No, apparently this Rhino took some serum and began transforming into a giant gray Rhino man. No word on who is playing the Rhino here, but it was a fun reveal for fans nonetheless. On top of that, we learned that Sony is giving us an R rating as Aaron Taylor Johnson, you know, emphatically stated fuck yeah we are on stage at CinemaCon. Is an R rating enough to get me excited for a Sony spinoff? Fuck no, but consider me intrigued anyway. Well apparently too the film is going to earn its R rating because it's supposed to be extremely violent. I guess there's footage of Craven like biting people's faces off and shit. Uh, okay. <laughs> which honestly I'm all for. Uh, I'm just like kind of flabbergasted though. Like, so you're going to have Craven be an R rated film but not fucking Venom? <laughs> right? Right. So it's just that um, thing. I guess they wanted Venom to appeal to know, a wider man. like audience, but come on, it's Venom. 
Maybe they're finally listening to criticism and seeing how people responded to those two films. Then Venom 3 better be R-rated. That's all I have to say. (laughs) I mean, the fact that they gave us a PG-13 carnage. Come on. What are we doing, people? Like, (laughs) if you're going to do carnage, it has to be rated R. Exactly. Um, Well, and that's why I didn't see the movie. So it is what it is. But I'm like you. I'm definitely intrigued by this. Although, like, I feel like I've been burned by Sony so many times at this point. I should know better. Uh... I don't know how I feel about Rhino being the main villain. I'm kind of just hoping that he's really just muscle for, you know, the real main villain. And we do know that, like, uh, Craven's brother, his half-brother, uh, Chameleon, is supposed to also be in the film. So I could see it being a situation where he's just working for the Chameleon or uh, Calypso, who's also supposed to be in the movie. Well, continuing on with CinemaCon, we also had some horror news drop at the convention. On Wednesday at CinemaCon, they held a two-hour horror panel that unveiled David Gordon Green's The Exorcist Believer, which will be the first of that trilogy. The film is set to come out October 13th this year. And at the same panel, Conjuring 4's title was revealed as well, now being called The Conjuring Last Rites. The film will be produced by James Wan and Peter Safran with David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick back on to write after working on the previous two main Conjuring films. Yeah, with the news coming out last week that there's going to be a Conjuring series, I, I totally forgot that th- we were also supposed to be getting a fourth installment. Um, I'm wondering like exactly how that's all going to like work. I'm assuming mm. that the series is going to come after the film since I, I believe... Right. The film is supposed to come out in uh, 2024, right? Yeah. Sometime during that year. Yeah. So who knows if the series is going to continue on like the story that's m- maybe set up in the movie or, you know, if it's going to be something completely different altogether. Also, they did show footage from the uh, Exorcist reboot or sequel. I don't even know what the hell this is anymore. Um, people were raving about it, but... I'm going to have to see it to believe it, honestly. So, uh, and we don't really break down trailers that we haven't seen or like react to things that we haven't seen. So uh, all I know is Ellen Bernstein was featured um, in the footage, which, you know, that's cool. But once again, I'm going to have to see it to believe it. So, (laughs) Also, before we move on, um, at the convention, studios did confirm Beetlejuice 2 and Smile 2. Uh, I'm excited for both movies. And we also got our first look at the Twisted Metal series that stars Anthony Mackie uh, in the form of a poster. Uh, We're recording on Thursday, but I guess on Friday, they're actually going to be dropping the first trailer. So uh, we'll probably maybe talk about that next week. But besides that, we also had Paramount announcing that there's going to be a Transformers origin uh, animated film coming out called Transformers 1. It's supposed to tell the story of how Optimus Prime and Megatron became sworn enemies. They announced that Chris Hemsworth would be voicing the younger Optimus Prime with Brian Tyree Henry voicing Megatron, with Scarlett Johansson, Keegan-Michael Key, John Hamm, and Lawrence Fishburne rounding out the cast. So while we don't usually talk about Transformers on the podcast, you know, just because, like, I don't know, I hate the fucking live-action films. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I was originally excited for the Netflix uh, War for Cybertron series that came out, uh, but that unfortunately kind of shit the bed. Uh, but I like the fact that it was more of a serious tone like series. Uh, this kind of sounds more of the same. And I like the fact that they're telling like the origin stories of like the Transformers and it's supposed to take place on Cybertron. So we're not going to have any pesky humans getting in the way. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I kind of I'm kind of holding out hope that this is, you know, 
something I could really like sink my teeth into as a Transformers fan. Because if you ask me like to this day, like peak Transformers is, you know, the 86 film. Like nothing has like met that <laughs> bar since. So I don't know. Has anything traumatized you as much? No, honestly, no. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, like what was worse was uh, like when the uh, cartoon series started back up, I, I think it was in season three, they had Optimus come back as a fucking zombie which was just terrifying at the time. <laughs> so there's a lot to unpack there with me and Transformers. But staying on the horror side of things, uh, we got an update for Fede Alvarez's upcoming Alien film. The Alien film being worked on by Fede Alvarez and being produced by Ridley Scott for Hulu has begun production. While little is known about the film's direction, it is rumored to be unconnected to previous Alien sequels, according to Hollywood Reporter. No confirmed release date has come out just yet. Man, I totally forgot about the Michael Fassbender uh, Alien films. It's kind of weird that Ridley Scott is producing this new film and he's like choosing to forget those two other movies that he did, right? <laughs> like those were his I, films. Yeah, but I don't remember them being too well received. Is he admitting that? Yeah, these just didn't work. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, <laughs> because they did it like there was potential there. But at the end of the day, I was like, what the hell's going on here? But I'm excited for this. It feels like, you know, the Aliens franchise is definitely like in Fede Alvarez's wheelhouse, right? Seems like something that, you know, he'd be capable of. I'm just, I'm still just a little bit shocked by Dope Reap too, but I know he didn't direct that one. So I, I, I'll did, move on. He did produce it though, so. He did produce <laughs> He it. also produced that god-awful Texas Chainsaw uh, Massacre film that went yeah. straight to Netflix. Um, that was just, God, a, a train wreck. So, I mean, there's been a lot of talk that, you know, the his script for this was so amazing that they picked it up day one and that like it really brings the genre back to, you know, its its roots. So uh, maybe it's just going to be a, a new crew with I, an alien on the ship and that's it. I feel you like know, we hear it. that every fucking alien sequel. So uh -huh. <laughs> whatever. Well, this week brought us a couple trailers we wanted to briefly talk about. Uh, the first one being from The Flash. If you went back and changed the past, this world must die. You changed the future. Do you know what this symbol stands for? It means hope, right? I will help you fight Zod. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Stop with, uh, Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne uh, talking to Barry and almost kind of admiring what like he's been able to pull off, like going back and, you know, saving his parents. Obviously, that's something that, you know, Bruce, you know, would love, you know, to be able to pull off. In the opening yeah. here, we see someone with like long hair in Wayne's Manor in the Batcave. Yeah. Is that Michael Keaton, you think? Well, because in the next shot, he, you know, his hair is cut, but maybe if he hadn't been you know, doing his job for a while. Maybe he just let it all grow out and then he gets back. Into yeah, it. I mean, maybe he retired and he just became yeah. an old hippie, I guess. <laughs> because at first I was like, is that Vicky Vale? Because <laughs> the hair looked a little blonde, to be honestly. So, but then I was like, oh, I, you know, it's probably an older, you know, Bruce who's like retired. Um, and, you know, something has called them back into action because we do uh -huh. see like the back computers like covered and all dusty and shit. 
And then we do know, like, later on in the trailer, that's not the case. So something must, like, bring him, like, out of retirement, which might be the arrival of Zod. And there's a lot more Ben Affleck in this trailer. Um, I definitely noticed him on the Bat Pod and such, and they have him talking to Barry a little bit more. I'm wondering if he just gets, like, a big opening like sequence with Barry or something like that. Well, we do see him in the other trailer on the bat pod too. So, and he yes. looks like he's kind of rocking like a blue and gray uh costume in that trailer, mm -hmm. which I you know, here I couldn't really make out if that was the case. My guess is this is actually before Barry makes his decision to go back in the past. Yeah. Um and fuck with the timeline. Because it definitely felt like a don't be me speech. Like, don't let your tragedy define you like it does me. <laughs> because no one would understand that lesson more than Bruce, obviously. We do get a lot more Zod in this trailer. Um, mm -hmm. At least action shots of Zod. At one point, it looks like he's taking out the uh, Batwing. I mean, the one thing that I really did like from Man of Steel was, you know, Michael Shannon's portrayal of the character. So I'm happy that, you know, we're going to see more of it here. The one thing I think the trailer really gave away is something that we've been kind of speculating on is that this other version of Barry is probably going to end up turning into the villain of the film. We see a brief glimpse of a possible conflict between the two with, I believe, our Barry saying that he needs to set things back, you know, set things right. Um, and, you know, this younger version of Barry saying, no, no one else needs to die or something like that. Yeah. I'm paraphrasing. Nobody dies. Yeah, you know? no one. Yeah, no one dies. So I'm guessing that, you know, our version of Barry realizes that, you know, what he did by saving his mother, you know, broke, you know, the timeline. And he needs to go back and allow that tragedy to actually happen, which probably ends up causing this variant of Barry to, you know, lose it. Um, and we've already seen through like toy reveals that, you know, we're getting a dark flash in this movie. So I'm guessing that it's probably this other version of Barry. We do hear a little dialogue from Kara. She does seem very upset at someone. She's screaming like, what have you done? Mm -hmm. So I don't know if something goes awry, you know, with them trying to stop uh, Zod. We know it looks like, she, you know, from other trailers, it looks like she's like, imprisoned or something at one point um so they must have broken her out to fight side but I, from this scene it looks like something definitely goes wrong um and who knows like maybe she's confronting this darker version of the flash we also see her lift um what seems to be an injured version of barry i don't know which one up into the air i don't know what's happening there either we do get michael keaton saying another iconic line uh <laughs> This is the kind of fan service I want. I'll be honest. Like, <laughs> like you know what? Like, I'm fine with little Easter eggs like this. Like, that's totally cool. It, it, like, it's not dictating the story at all. So let him say it all, right? If he's doing one-liners the whole movie, just the same ones. He's not going to say the same. What? Like, come on. What? How many one-liners <laughs> does he really have in that film? So... I don't think that's going to be the case. It's not like he's going to go up to everyone and say, I'm Batman over and over again. <laughs> It'd be pretty funny if he did. That. Sure, sure. Like, I mean, this is the kind of fan service that doesn't bother me. Like, okay. I never mind a little fan service as long as it doesn't, like, hurt the story. And I don't think this is going to hurt the story at all. Now, some people were complaining about the CGI in certain scenes. Uh, the only one that really, like, stood out to me was that moment where we're getting that, like, overhead shot of Barry, like, looking up, and it looks like he's being, like, electrocuted by something. Um, 
Do you know the shot I'm talking about? Yeah. But, like, besides that, I mean, it's a trailer, too. Like, I feel like they, you know, like, I don't really get too worried about CGI and trailers because I feel like they have time to fix it. Mm -hmm. um, but that's the only thing that really stuck out to me. I don't know. The moment where they're sliding together, the three of them, looks a little weird. And the moment she's uh, car is flying, it's a little, a little like too like video game looking. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, I'm sure it won't be too bad when the film actually comes out. Yeah, I mean, so they did actually show the movie, I believe, at CinemaCon, and it's been getting rave reviews. I mean, take that with a grain of salt because you know those are people who want you to come see the film since they own theaters. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> so they're not going to bash the thing, but the hype does feel real this time around. Um, and if they're able to like deliver half the film that these trailers are promising, like, I don't know, man, I'm fully on board. Well, the flash is coming out June 16th of this year. Well, Christian, we also got a teaser trailer for season three of the Witcher. teaser is very much just random clips here and there of what's going on. You know, they show a little glimpse of the wild hunt that seemed to be going after Ciri. Uh, this is a major story arc for her character. Cavill and the company have been saying that he's going to be tying up loose ends uh, from the last two seasons. Um, I don't know, you know, if, if they're really going to be able to pull that much off. The second season uh, was kind of a mixed bag. Uh, there's some really good elements and uh, everything that we got with Geralt and Ciri in season two was very enjoyable, but uh, all the other side characters really had these just wild and inconsistent, you know, storylines going on um, where their characters just were just didn't feel like them, even from like the basic stories. So I'm wondering if, you know, because you know, Yennefer is a huge part of Geralt and Ciri's lives, and I'm hoping that, you know, in this season, um, they really, you know, correct the ship from where they took that character in last season. Uh, but, I, you know, from this trailer, I can't really get much from that. She's like, you know, in it for like two seconds. You know, the, the main focus is Geralt here and um, Ciri, who hopefully they're able to handle the wild hunt, you know, arc, you know, fine. Uh, I don't know what, because you know, they, they haven't really been following the books all that much. I don't even know if they're like following much of what they did in the games either. It's, it's just kind of like they're... It's all over the place as a show. Um, even that little spin-off thing that they did made very little sense. Uh, but I've enjoyed it. You know, it's been fun to watch. It's got great action. You know, it's one of the best action things that they put out on Netflix. But I mean, that inconsistency from, you know, page to screen is mm -hmm. kind of the reason why Cavill is leaving, right? At least that's the rumor. Yeah. That's what it seems like from Henry Cavill. He just doesn't, you know, see where they're taking the show and disagrees with them. And <laughs> I guess that, that can only go for so long, right? Um, the season is also going to be split into two parts. I noticed uh, it's going to be it's going to be June 29th and July 27th. Uh, hopefully, it's the send off that Henry Cavill deserves. It was a good show at the start. I don't know, you know, what they're going to do with the season four. I, I'll still check it out just because I'm curious to see what they'll do with Liam Hemsworth. Um, in the role and how they'll explain the sudden difference if they even do. I doubt they they're going to explain won't. anything. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've, it's not the first time like 
you know, uh, someone's been recasted in a series, uh-huh. so it is what it is. Like, I mean, when you say that they're going to give him a send off, like you just you're just saying like give him a solid season of the show. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, that's what because they've said it themselves. They're like, oh, this will give a finality to at least you know Henry Cavill as the character. I don't I don't know what yeah. that means yeah, for them. Who knows? Like maybe they'll do it in a way that we saw with like the Mandalorian that, this season where they just bring everything back to, you know, square one. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you are excited though for this upcoming season. I mean, yeah, I, I still really enjoy, the, you know, Henry Cavill's performance as Carol. So I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes. And this is, these are characters that I love from the game. So I, I'm, I'm still down. I'm not a I'm not a Witcher purist like other people. Okay. So I, I'm yeah, because I'm, I'm more okay with it. I change. believe in your reviews, you've actually been pretty high on the series, right? Yeah. Okay. No, that spinoff was a doozy. I, I don't know what they were doing there. <laughs> That's with uh, Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. Okay. Great action sequences, but the story is just very rushed. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, when when does this uh, debut? Um, it comes out uh, June 29th with the first volume, and then July 27th for the second. Just a month off. Oh, very Stranger Things, right? I'm wondering if we're going to see more of this kind of like format moving forward with Netflix since it works so well for, you know, Stranger Things, you know, season four. Um, Who knows? And now for the nerds' review of Evil Dead Rise. Minor spoilers ahead. And now, our feature presentation. What's up, sis? I had the most beautiful dream. It was the perfect day. And all I could think about was how much I wanted to cut you all open and then climb inside your bodies <laughs> so that we could stay one happy family. <laughs> A twisted tale of two estranged sisters whose reunion is cut short by the rise of flesh-possessing demons, thrusting them into a primal battle for survival as they face the most nightmarish version of family imaginable. Evil Dead Rise is directed by Lee Cronin and stars Alyssa Sutherland and Lily Sullivan. Being a fan of the classics and having enjoyed Fede Alvarez's take on Evil Dead as well, I can say I was pretty excited for this next adventure with Deadites, especially after its great trailer. And I'm happy to report that Lee Cronin's Evil Dead Rise is another solid Evil Dead experience. This time we're out of the woods and into a whole new setting as Evil finds its way into the bustling city of Los Angeles after a recording of someone speaking the words of the Necronomicon plays out in the soon-to-be-condemned apartment building. Just like in films prior, the camera zooms in on our first target as mother of three, Ellie, as played by Alyssa Sutherland, is taken by the Deadite's curse. Beth, her sister, as played by Lily Sullivan, who, who came to just get a place to stay for a little bit, is then forced into protecting Ellie kids the best she can, but this is an Evil Dead film so you can imagine that doesn't work out all too well. Lily Sullivan does a great job in our Ash-like role as she struggles under the weight of her new responsibilities and grief of seeing her once caretaker and older sister become the sinister beast. Also I gotta give a big shout out to Nell Fisher who plays the youngest daughter Cassie as her chemistry with the cast and performance only boosted your concern for her as she stands by Beth's side through all this 
mess. While we are in a giant city, this film finds a way to keep the carnage down to just one floor of this apartment building after it's damaged by an earthquake. This element has its positives and negatives for me. While the feeling of these guys being entrapped by deadites amped up the horror value, this is also you know, what limits our overall kills. The cast itself is kind of small, only about four characters outside the main family unit, so there's about eight to nine people featured in this to begin with. And while I enjoyed Alyssa Sutherland as our main baddie, there were some you know, artistic choices made you know, here and there for her murderous rampage that took me out of it at, for a moment. As instead of us getting, you know, some of that more up close and personal moments with her killing these poor neighbors, a lot of it happens off screen. This isn't the end of the world though. I just figured we, we would just see it kind of happen up close. On top of that, it really felt like all of her best lines and moments were shown off on the trailer, which I've seen a million times because I've been going to the movie so often. So I was, you know, originally expecting there to be a little bit more, you know, smack talk and, you know, funny moments coming from, you know, our dead mama. But on the other hand, it's still bloody as all hell and the film does not shy away from the fact that the deadites keep coming back which they utilize to kind of you know make up for the small cast of victims and really there's never a moment where I feel like our main characters are you know safe I think that I think that this film does a great job with excellent pacing to really make you fear for their lives. Nothing at any point of this film felt rushed, especially in comparison to my last review, which was for Renfield, where it had a similar runtime, but felt like you know, much was either cut or rushed through to an unsatisfying ending. This film does not do any of that though, and I for one didn't even realize it was only an hour and a half by the time the blood stopped spraying on the screen. In comparison to other Evil Dead films, especially Fede Alvarez, his take on Evil Dead, I feel like Lee Cronin's was a little bit you know, closer to the original tone of the first Sam Raimi film and had a little bit more of that gruesome charm. The story is still meant to be scary, but you can tell they had a lot of fun with this production. So, you know, while I feel like the film could have gone you know, a little bit bigger in a city setting and gave us more victims and more dead-eyed fun, I still really had a great time with this film. It was, you know, well shot, captured most of what I love about the Evil Dead franchise, and poured gallons of blood on its cast. So for Evil Dead Rise, I'm going to be giving it a B+. And now a quick word from our sponsor, Manscaped. This is a public service announcement. Manscaped now has beer products and is going even further with their brand new Weed Whacker 2.0. Go ahead and tell the world the leaders in below the waist grooming are traveling north of your South Pole with their revolutionary grooming products. The new Weed Whacker 2.0 and their new beard line confirms they have all the best tools for your hygiene toolbox. Time for you to upgrade your game by going to manscaped.com and using our code 20NERDSHO for 20% off plus free shipping. Listeners know that there's no one I trust more with my nutsack than Manscaped. So why not trust them with my beard also? So allow me to introduce you to the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. It's the ultimate package that makes it easier than ever to craft your signature look. It all starts with the cordless electric beard hedger. The beard hedger is tough on hair, but smooth on your face, leading to single stroke efficiency that brings satisfaction one stroke at a time, just like your mother. <laughs> this waterproof cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cutting lengths, all with one guard, so no more messy drawers full of extra add-ons. The Pro Kit also comes with four dermatologist tested formulations for your post-trim care. 
This includes Manscaped Beard Shampoo and Conditioner, Beard Oil, and Beard Balm to moisturize, style, and shimmer your new beard. Plus, the kit has three gifts, a beard brush, a comb, and scissors. So with a nice beard, your face is perfectly groomed, right? Wrong! You need to keep an eye out for those tough-to-trim ear and nose hairs. The brand new Weed Whacker 2.0 offers improved blades and skin-safe technology with virtually no tugging. It's never been so painless to mind your manholes. Now that you have your face looking great, you must try Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0 for the full body grooming experience. Good news though, the Performance Package 4.0 now comes with the Weed Whacker 2.0 and all the other below-the-waist grooming products Manscaped is known for. Your significant other will be delighted to see you covering all bases, if you know what I mean. So listeners, get 20% off and free shipping with our code 20NerdShow at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com and make sure to use our code 20NerdShow. Always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. And now it's time for Christian's Corner. So I don't have a whole lot of time for gaming this week, so I figured I'd just kind of give you guys a quick update on what's going on with the Xbox situation, as now the UK's CMA have made their you know decision to block Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Rumors of late have made it seem like the UK government was coming around to Xbox's side, but it seems the CMA got concerned by the power Microsoft holds on cloud gaming believing this acquisition would allow Microsoft to simply dominate cloud gaming entirely. Currently, there really isn't much competition there uh, to begin with for Xbox, as that has been the most successful brand in this in this field thanks to its already robust cloud infrastructure from, you know, the fact that it's the same company as Windows. You know, other companies just haven't been able to, you know, cultivate any type of technology to rival what Windows has over the past generations. Microsoft will most likely go for an appeal to reverse this decision, but I genuinely think it will come down to just lobbying power if they are going to be able to convince the CMA that they aren't monopolizing this market, which will be hard since there just hasn't been, you know, serious competition yet there for, so it doesn't really feel like there's anyone they can point to as their, you know, true competitor here. But I don't know, we will see what happens. Um, besides that, we had the release of Jai Survivor, which hopefully by the time you're hearing this, I will be happily playing. The only problem I may run into is the fact that I plan on playing it on PC, which Steam players and many reviewers are highly suggesting that you don't do. It seems that like most third-party titles these days, the port just isn't well optimized for PCs. People with anything under the you know 40 series graphics cards have been reporting abysmal frame rates, which as a you know 2080 Ti owner myself, I'm pretty terrified to see what's going to happen when I try to play this game and stream at the same time. There are, of course, people who haven't run into this problem, and the game is still being actively patched by Respawn, so it may just be an issue that lasts within its first weekend. But as people have pointed out, it really just seems like they didn't you know, optimize it to use any of your CPU power. It all seems to be working with your video RAM entirely, which is just not how that's supposed to you know work. But catch me this weekend trying to fight through this and make it work on my stream. You know, you can catch me live every weekend on Twitch for even more gaming talk and amazing nerd show content. But for now, let's move on to wrestling. WWE 
deserves more. You deserve more. Roman Reigns gets drafted to whatever brand he gets drafted to. He will take the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship with him, and he will stay there. The other brand will determine a new champion. On Saturday, May 27th, at Night of Champions, we will crown a new World Heavyweight Champion. Well, Christian, this week, the crazy world of wrestling kept on turning and delivered us some crazy ass drama, uh, you know, a little more than usual. So we thought we'd go ahead and talk about it. <laughs> the punk saga continues on. Uh, you know, over the last month, we've heard that, you know, Punk is returning to the company. It's rumored to be, you know, happening in the middle of June. And, you know, it's going to take place on his very own AEW show, uh, AEW Collision, uh, which should be Ooh. getting announced mid-May, it sounds like, at the uh, Warner Brothers Upfronts. Along with that news, we heard of a possible sit-down taking place between him and Jericho. I guess he wanted to also sit down with the Bucks, but that wasn't going to happen. Okay. Um, <laughs> the sit-down with Jericho, I guess, did actually take place this past week, and from all accounts, it went well. Um but that being said, I guess, you know, Punk didn't feel like he was in the news enough, so he decided to, you know, show up at WWE Raw this past Monday. Uh, which Gotta keep things fresh, Yeah, right? <laughs> so I guess how this all came about was he was on a flight from Florida to Chicago. On this flight, I guess there was a bunch of different uh, WWE talent uh, who were on their way to Raw, which was taking place at the Allstate Arena. Uh, he got to talking to them and decided that it'd be a good idea to show up backstage on said show. Um, why he thought this was a good idea, I have no clue. Um, I guess while he was backstage, uh, he even made amends with uh, The Miz, who, I don't know if you remember this, he said some kind of like disparaging remark to him about sucking a blood-soaked dick uh, <laughs> or something oh, okay. like that. A Saudi, no, a Saudi blood-soaked dick or oh, something. Okay. Um, and then um, he even ran into uh, Hunter, who was rather surprised to see him back there. Uh, Punk asked Hunter if this was okay, that, it, you know, he, that he was there. And Hunter said that, you know, he would need to talk to the big man. And then I guess a couple minutes later, security showed up and asked Punk to leave. <laughs> um, so apparently it wasn't okay with the big man. Um, apparently. Which, which in fairness only makes sense because AEW has been accusing WWE of contract tampering recently. So mm. I'm sure optics wise, they didn't want any part of having, you know, a high profile name like Punk especially with all the drama surrounding him backstage, yeah. you know, at their show. Um, so Punk, I guess, understood and left graciously, and that was it. I mean, the visit in total lasted about 20 minutes, but obviously, you know, sent shockwaves across the wrestling community. 
Um, news broke pretty fast. There was even like a video of Punk in the parking lot talking to Tamina. Um, it looked like he was waiting for something. I don't know if he was waiting for the okay to go in or whatnot, but it's definitely some strange behavior on Punk's part. Um, a lot of people. Tamina's still at WWE? Yes. <laughs> and maybe that's really the bigger story. Because <laughs> we haven't seen her in God. It feels like months. If not yeah. years. <laughs> but a lot of people are saying that this was like a publicity stunt on Punk's part. Uh, there are other people saying that this was a power play by Punk um, trying to stick it to Tony Khan. I mean, honestly, who the fuck knows? Um, this isn't normal behavior. Um, no. It makes absolutely no sense. Like he's still under contract for years. So it's not like. So it's not like he really could be testing waters at this point. Um, and if that was the case, he could go through other channels, you know, other than like showing up to Raw and obviously getting cited right away. Um, so, I mean, man, like even if this was innocent, like you'd have to be a fucking idiot to think this was a good idea, yeah, right? I, I mean, you have it, all this controversy surrounding you right now you have like you know people like talking about you 24 7 mm. because of this whole idea of a show like being pulled out of warner brothers ass just to get him back on AEW TV, like his own separate show because like grown men refuse to get along in the locker room show up during all this like drama you know, in the competitor's fucking locker room? <laughs> Come on. Like, he knows better. He's Maybe he was just giving them, you know, muffins, you know, to try. <laughs> so what kills me about all this, uh, speaking of muffins, is that the original conflict between him and Colt Cabana, which really, you know, started all this, like, crazy drama, in, yeah. you know, in AEW, stemmed from Colt visiting the WWE locker room stemmed from a story about Colt visiting the WWE locker room while him and Punk were being sued by the company because Punk saw this as a betrayal. Now, it recently came out that Colt didn't even like set foot in the locker room. He just went out for pizza with some of his friends from WWE. So the fact that he not only ruined a lifelong friendship over, you know, commiserating with people from WWE, but he almost mm -hmm. burned down another fucking company over it. And then he's going to turn around and just go do it himself. <laughs> Feels a little absurd, Christian. I don't, I don't know what to say, man. I mean, it's ridiculous for him to think that he can, you know, do whatever he wants right now. Uh <laughs> That's why it's got to be like a power play. Yeah. You know, like he must be pissed off about something and he's trying to stick it to Tony Khan. Like, I can't imagine what else. Like, I, I just can't imagine this being like in good faith. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, unless Tony said, go to their locker room and let's stir up some drama for your ankles. But... I mean, maybe like, I mean, maybe we have Punk come back as a heel and he's going to use this in a promo. Uh -huh. I don't know. That feels far-fetched also. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because this really puts AEW in a bad light. Like, this top star that you're literally about to give, like, his own show 
to is, you know, showing up at another company's door, um, you know, because it makes it look like he's desperate to come back. Right. Why can't he just like go to New Japan and just wrestle a few matches? I mean, he could technically. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what his contract looks like, but, you know, New Japan and AEW obviously have a partnership. Um, but I mean, I understand why Khan wants him on his TV because I mean, the ratings have obviously taken a dip since he's been off of it. So, um, and if Warner Brothers is willing to give them a whole new show, like that's supposed to be two hours long to like feature not only punk, but like the rest of their talent. I mean, why not? Because that, that's a, that's a, comes with a giant price tag also attached to it so you know they're gonna be making out like bandits here supposedly like honestly like part of me like just wants tony to say fuck you and just like cut ties at this point because it, it like is all of this worth it in the long run like if he's gonna continuously hurt the image of aaw mm-hmm. and you know, actions like this makes it feel like he's not remorseful at all. And maybe that's not the case. Maybe he shows up hat in hand and he is apologetic and he wants to make amends, which is great. Um, but a move like this tells me otherwise, right? Yeah. Um, and like, can you really trust him at this point? No, because it just seems like it's a ticking time bomb. Like, just when's the next, you know, bad event for him going to happen? And make AEW even look worse. Like every day I jump on Twitter, like I'm I'm just waiting for the next shoe to drop. Um and like that's how fast like all this news keeps on like uh-huh. you know evolving, you know, the story. Um He's trending every other day. Yeah. It's just <laughs> And that tells you like how invested they are, like fans are into him. Like, mm-hmm. you know, as a person, as a character. Um, which should be a good thing, but at a certain ex- like at a certain point, like it becomes just a detriment to your company. And listen, like I love Punk, you know, and I loved his run in AAW. Um, I think it was one of the best things that you know the show had going. But like, I don't want to see the company burn around him. You mm-hmm. know, it's you know I love AAW more than I love CM Punk is what I guess I'm trying to say. So it's not worth it in the long run. And I feel like ever since the events of, you know, quote unquote, bro out, like there's been this like black cloud of like just, you know, doom hovering around AEW. But like ever since like the events of, you know, quote unquote, like brawl out, there's been this like dark cloud of doom hovering over the company um, that they just can't seem to shake. And I don't know, like bringing Punk back is going to, help matters much especially when he's pulling shit like this <laughs> mm. like but i also don't want him to like drive talent away you know i don't want people like the young bucks being like should i really want to continue with this company if someone's going to be like like him be like around well especially since they're in like contract talks right now yeah you know, and we know kenny has this contract coming up mm-hmm. same with hangman so you're absolutely right like you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, right like what are we doing here like, I know, like, Punk was number one on uh, Tony's wish list when he first started the company. But, I mean, the dude is, like, 45 years old. Mm-hmm. Like, how many years does he really have left in the ring? And we've seen 
you know, with his last run that he's injury prone now. Um, so is it really worth it in the long run? Best case scenario is they're able to put all this drama behind them, shake hands, and just move on. Just by the way the story keeps on developing, it, it I just don't see that happening. Now, do you think Punk was there because he wanted to get his hands on the brand new uh, WWE <laughs> World Championship title, whatever the fuck they're calling that monstrosity? He wants that gold belt. <laughs> yes, I could totally see that. <laughs> uh, so on Raw, Triple H came out, and we don't usually talk Raw, but this really pissed me off. Uh, <laughs> 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 if you can't tell, we're not talking AEW Dynamite uh, this week. It feels like there's too much else going on in the world of wrestling. So, uh, But on Raw... <laughs> Hunter comes out and unveils a brand new WWE championship. And it literally looks like the big gold belts, you know, from the, you know, NWA, WCW days. Yeah. With like a WWE hubcap, like glued to the middle of it. Yes. Um, you know, hey, there's uglier belts out there. And I, I honestly prefer it to, you know, what Roman's carrying around right now. But it definitely could use a little improvement and like, they're not scared to touch things up. Um, they've done it in the past. So hopefully it's a little less garish. Um, Cause I don't know how you felt about it, but I don't know. It did. It just didn't do much for me. It, it's not their worst design, but something about it looks like it's made for like, you know, those, the toy belts. Like, I, I imagine I would be picking it up at a Walmart rather than seeing a champion carry it around. You know, for me, it just looks lazy. Like, you mm. just took something that you you knew people love from and the past. And then you just tried to slap your fucking branding on top of it. Yeah. Um, the logo makes it weird. For some reason, yes. it really throws it off. Yes. Um, like, honestly, to me, the worst offense is just the idea behind the belt. Because Hunter came out and basically stated that, oh, well, you know— Roman has negotiated in his contract that he doesn't have to defend the titles um, that often. And and he's been pretty much unbeatable over the past three years. So we don't feel like that's fair to you fans. You deserve to have a championship defended more often on WWE television. So we're going to go ahead and pull out this giant consolation prize. Because that's pretty much what this is, right? Because he still referred to Roman as the undisputed WWE Universal Champion or whatever the hell they're calling him nowadays. Oh. So I'm guessing Roman's still going to be carrying around the two belts because that really makes this belt feel like, you know, third place. Um, Like, who wants to be in third? Like, as long as Roman is, you know, champion every other champion is going to feel lesser than. So, like, I get it. Like, I, I understand why WWE wants Roman to, like, go on this historic run. But at the same time, like, at what cost? Because I feel like at this point, you've run the bloodline storyline into the ground. Mm -hmm. Um, They didn't pull the trigger when they needed to with Cody. Um, and Cody is the last person who needs to be holding this fucking title. 
like they better not fucking dare <laughs> have him even sniff around that belt. And I guess the, the champion's supposed to be crowned at the next Saudi show in May. Um, Great. Like, I don't want Cody anywhere near this belt because that's definitely going to feel like third place then. Like, oh, you couldn't <laughs> beat Roman, but here you go. <laughs> but the real root of this problem is the fact that they want to do another fucking brand split. I know technically they still like are supposed to have a split brand, you know, between SmackDown and Raw, but that hasn't been the case in almost no. a year at this point. I mean, really, once Hunter like got in charge, like we've just seen like week after week stars from both shows crossing over. Um, and the ratings have been better because of it. You know, because they had this white hot feud with the bloodline happening. So, like, why would you just keep that isolated on one show? Like, you want to spread that to both shows. And they have been, and it's been working. So the fact that they're going back to, like, a hard brand split, supposedly, um, is just ridiculous. Um, and, you know, like, if Roman was around more as a champion, and you were doing a brand split then fine, like, I could see this solving the problem to a certain extent because you do need to have another champion on the show to defend the belt, and, like, Raw hat was initially hurt by Roman carrying both belts. But you know what would have solved this problem, Christian? What? Putting the belt on fucking Cody at WrestleMania! Because <laughs> <laughs> then you actually have a champion who's on the show weekly. Like we haven't well, be giving you what you wanted. Dave. We haven't seen Roman since that first Raw after fucking Mania, I think. Or maybe uh-huh. SmackDown. I don't know. But like, wh- what are we doing here? <laughs> like, I know they want him to hit a thousand days, which is just an arbitrary number. It still doesn't put him in the record books, really. He's still behind like Pedro Morales and Bob Backlund and uh, Bruno Sammartino. Like, there's no way he's ever going to touch those records. So I don't know why they're so hooked on that bullshit. Like, I mean, this is a made-up sport. All you have to do is fucking say, like, he is... Like, if you're so concerned about, like, having current names in the history books, all you have to do is define your errors, right? And they're the ones with the pencils, so they do the defining. They could say that, you know, Roman is the longest-reigning modern-era champion. You know, and, like, define the modern era by, like, I don't know, like, you know, late 90s to now. Like, that's fine. Like, that's all you have to do. Mm-hmm. This is a fictional like, sport. <laughs> I think they did that for a short while for Punk while he had his reign. I think they were saying, like, modern champion, longest yeah. reigning. Yes, yes, yes. Because he went, like, 400 some days or something like that, I believe. Yeah. So I, I don't I don't get it. I don't understand why they're so like hooked on this idea. Um, and like when they introduced this belt, like right away, I was like, oh, Roman's not dropping, you know, his titles to fucking WrestleMania now. And I'm sure that's kind of the idea. Like if they do yeah. things right storyline wise, you know, once Roman gets drafted to whatever show he's going to be on, you're going to see Cody get drafted to the same show. And then he's going to chase that title all the way to probably Mania. I mean, if we're lucky, it'll be SummerSlam, but I doubt it, right? Um, I'm just really tired of this bullshit narrative of if Cody would have won the belt, he'd have nowhere to go. Like, where does the story go from here? Like, it's just ridiculous to me. 
And it feels like that's the center of this problem right now. Like if they would have just given Cody the belt, then they would have had so many different options to go. And he could have been on both shows every fucking week. He would have ended up being a fighting champion. Like, you know, I mean, that's the fucking story, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have this white, hot baby face defending the title on a weekly basis or a monthly basis even. I mean, regardless, it'd still be more than Roman, right? And he'd be facing all comers. Like, that's the fucking story. It's a, it's a timeless story that's been told throughout <laughs> the decades of wrestling history. So why is this any different? I mean, I mean, you can't blame them for not remembering at this point, though, <laughs> how this goes. It's been so long. Oh, you know? my God. And what's funny <laughs> is this argument's been like this argument's being made by wrestling purists. Yeah, it's like they're just so fucking brainwashed by their own bullshit right now that I mean, it just makes no sense to me. Like, I get it. Like the Roman Reigns, you know, storyline was super hot at the time. But every good story has to have a beginning, middle, and end. Like, it just, like, Roman doesn't need to be champion for this story to continue. You know, like, the story would have been, you know, kind of what we're seeing right now. But every good story has to have an eventual end, right? Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) or it just becomes stale. Um, We were, like on that road and it felt like we were hitting its natural conclusion and then to quote CM Punk they just stepped on their own dicks like <laughs> <laughs> i mean only have the opportunity for big moments like Cody winning the belt at Mania once in a lifetime like after you miss that moment it automatically, like any other moment, automatically becomes lesser than. Like, yes, he can go through this year-long journey. I mean, it's not easy to get a wrestler as over as Cody was at Mania. So you really need to capitalize on those moments because they can quickly become missed opportunities at the end of the day. And that's what this truly feels like. Yes. You really ended up disappointing your audience and just, I don't know, like when you do that, you kind of skew their expectations. Um, and it's hard to recapture that momentum. Um, I mean, especially with how inconsistent their booking is now, especially with like Vince possibly, you know, back in the driver's seat. I just don't get it because this really, you know, putting the belt on Cody really would have solved so many problems when it comes to WWE's booking woes and would have put us in a situation where we have to introduce a third world title. (laughs) Like, I still don't understand the logic in any of this. Like, they're the ones who are writing the fucking show. So, like, they could have just, like, come up with some kind of loophole where Roman would have to at least drop one of the belts. Like, oh, you're not defending the titles, you know, often enough. So, you know, we're having to take one of these belts off. I mean, it would have still sucked, but it'd been better than a third title, you know, (laughs) or you just fucking beat him at mania. Like that was the natural progression of that story. (laughs) 
It just made no sense not to take the tile off of it. And now you have this. It just, it doesn't work. It doesn't. It really doesn't. Um, and people who are defending this, it, they're just lying to themselves. <laughs> because, like, like, I hate the brand split, and I always hated the brand split. The only time the brand split really worked was, you know, for just a short period of time, when they had one champion and one set of tag uh -huh. team champions who just traveled between the two brands and defended the titles. And even that wasn't great. But I think the story goes Brock got tired of traveling between the two shows. So then they ended up, you know, giving Hunter his own world title, literally just handing him a belt <laughs> and saying you're champion without him, like, actually fighting anyone for it. Uh, which so which tells you right there, like Hunter should know fucking better, you know, because that uh -huh. was like that wasn't met well. You know, people were calling bullshit right off the bat and it ended up taking a long time for people to take that, you know, world title seriously. And by the time they took it seriously, did Triple H even still have it? He did. But that's after I don't know how long of defending it. Like people gotcha. just like, OK, it is what it is. But even at that period of time, they still had a harder brand split than they do now. Because, mm -hmm. like, no one really trusts WWE with this whole brand split concept because, you know, it's the same old thing. It lasts for about a couple months, maybe. And then all of a sudden you have, you know, raw talent showing up on SmackDown and SmackDown talent showing up on Raw. <laughs> it always goes out the windows once, like, ratings uh. start to dip. You know, or they get a harebrained of a fucking, you know, angle that they want to do. It always ends up going out the window once they, like, write themselves into a corner or ratings start to dip. So they find these incredibly, like, contrived reasons for, you know, talent showing up on, you know, other shows. Um, it just never works because they never stay consistent or stick to it. But most likely what's going to end up happening is, like I said, you know, Roman will be on one show, probably along with Cody. And I'm I'm sure like someone like Seth Rollins will end up being your first, you know, WWE world champion or whatever the hell they're calling the belt. Um, well, you think it's going to be the Seth and Kevin show on SmackDown? Well, for a little while? Kevin's on, you know, Kevin's with uh, Sammy and like, it doesn't look oh, like right, yeah. right now that they're going to do the same with the tag titles. It seems mm -hmm. like those are still unified. Um, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if that doesn't change and they don't like end up like making a brand new set of tag titles too, you know, to put yeah. on Raw. So, but I don't know, man. I mean, it's just such a mess that was so avoidable if they would have just done the right thing in the first place and put the fucking title on Cody. Because, <laughs> uh -huh. I mean, there's nothing wrong with one champion. The problem is, is Roman's that champion who doesn't show up on, you know, both of the shows. He wrestles a couple times every few months and that's it. So and I get it like he's one of your top guys, but there's other ways to feature him without having the belt. I mean, the quest for the world titles, what drives the story of the show. So you can't have your world champion be a special attraction. Like, he needs to be on those shows. <laughs> mm -hmm. This whole idea is, like, brand new. Like, people... And I think it's just a generational thing because a lot of people grew up with Brock Lesnar as champion where, like, McMahon treated him like a special attraction. So you wouldn't have your world champion on TV for months at times. I mean, for me as a wrestling fan, like, you know, in the 80s, that was just unheard of. <laughs> 
Well, that does it for this week. As a friendly reminder, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. And while you're there, leave a five star review. It really helps new listeners to find the podcast and for us to continue to grow. Also, if you like the stories from this week's episode and want to keep up to date with the show, follow us on social media at Amazing Nerd Show or stop by the AmazingNerdShow.com. And hey, to support the show further and get additional weekly content, you can subscribe to us now on Patreon. Just follow the link in the show notes. Also, if you want to rep some Nerd Show swag, you can head over to TeePublic.com to find t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. And if you post what you bought and tag us on social media, we'll send you some additional Nerd Show swag as long as you live in the United States. All right, make sure to join us next week as we talk all the latest news and rumors in nerd culture and whatever's going on in the world of wrestling. My name's Christian. And my name's David. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show. Then he had to... Now you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts.